up, everybody? Welcome to Beyond the Norm, episode seven. Mm-hmm. Seven. Look at that, seven. Uh, where we talk about all things improv, comedy, and entertainment business, uh, and things thereof. So, oftentimes, we kind of approach this, or I approach it, from the the three things that I use to kind of, I don't know, try to get me through the day or, or what I'm doing in terms of uh, my my career and my life. And it's it's the metrics of. It's got to make me money. It's got to be profitable. Uh, I got to love it, or uh, I have to be intellectually curious about it. So I like to sometimes kind of go through those things. Currently, from the business side, uh, the quote-unquote making money on things, uh, we've talked a little bit about it, but things continue to roll. Uh, New York City is coming along, so we're in the licensing process of that. I had to create a whole separate uh, uh, legal entity. So technically speaking, it's a whole separate company uh, than the current company. Uh, of, of Improv Asylum. So Improv Asylum is, is just the, it's the doing business as, the DBA, but the actual legal entity of Improv Asylum is Rock Hard Productions. Mm-hmm. So that's the legal entity that's... Um, paychecks. The paychecks are Rock Hard Production. That's what everybody assumes is a porn studio. Yeah. Right? I mean, the first time I got a check and then Siobhan saw it, she was like... What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, my mom was curious as well. Oh, it's great. And, and every time, like, like when, when you call, if you make calls outgoing from our offices, caller ID will come up rock hard productions. Oh, wow. So, you know, people get in like, what is this? And that, and that just kind of came from a nod to where, how we started. So before it was Improv Asylum, we, uh, we were doing shows at the, uh, at the Hard Rock Cafe uh, when we, when we, uh, uh, rebelled against colonial jesters. Yes, yes. and uh, and uh, and so and, and so we're like, well, let's just call ourselves Rock Art Improv. Uh, yeah. You know, nice and simple. And then when we decided to do Improv Sound, or we didn't know it was going to be Improv Sound at the time, but to create its own business entity. I'm like, well, let's, let's do it now. We'll call it Rock Hard Productions, and we'll see where it goes from there. And then Improv Sound was named. But that's why it's Rock Hard Productions. Now, as we're doing, uh, as I'm doing the New York theater, from a business standpoint, what you typically will do is you want to create separate legal entities so that they're each protected okay. and that they're not essentially taking each other down, right? So let's say the New York entity bombs and goes bankrupt. Mm-hmm. You don't want those Some creditors yeah, being able to come after the Boston organization. Oh, I see. Or if somebody you know, falls down the stairs mm-hmm. in Boston and wants to sue Rock Hard Productions, you then don't want them to also be able to come after the success and the assets of uh, of the New York entity. Gotcha. So that's why you you typically will often set up multiple multiple legal entities to create a certain amount of separation mm-hmm. uh, of it. Now I know that's pretty dry and pretty boring stuff, yeah, but sometimes sense. people don't necessarily understand that. Yeah. Um, so that's a limited. It's an LLC. It's a limited liability company. Uh, so that's going along. The, that's going well. So now that we have all that straightened away, that now you can get all your licenses and apply for your liquor permits. So, so where's the paycheck going to come from for New York? Does that have a name? Uh, we'll discuss that at some later date. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Spoilers. Uh, little teaser. Yeah. Ooh, wow. well, a little teaser. Uh, <laughs> that's what's going to be. Little teaser production. Yeah. Well, little teaser. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So that's that. So that's going along pretty well. Uh, and things that I love. Uh, well, I, I, I live down uh, in a town called Duxbury, which is which is down on the ocean. So I love anything on the ocean, the water. I mean, you know, it seems like an obvious thing to say. Yeah. Most people would say the same thing. It's not like I'm unique, uh, but it's a very much of an ocean water culture. Uh, and it's uh, I'm fortunate I have access to a boat and stuff like that. So so that and it's a very fun thing. Uh, just read today uh, in the Duxbury Clipper. 
Uh, yeah, that's the uh, local paper. Duxbury's actually got two papers. Wow. Oh, yeah. It's I really said it's a movie deal. Yeah. It, it's got, not only does it have two papers, it's got two papers and a magazine. Ooh. And Duxbury's not a big town. Yeah. But the magazine's very controversial, controversial because it's called, like, I think it's called, like, Shore Living or something like that. I don't know. Uh, but I think they changed. But up, up until at least last year, they would only distribute the Duxbury, whatever that magazine is, from 3A and into the ocean. So it caused this sort of like, it's elitist and they're not going on the west side of Duxbury because it was shore living and yeah. on the west side of 3A. And like, it's unbelievable how the human mind just wants to segregate things into yeah. its tiniest little, like, are you shitting me, Duxbury Bay shore living? Yeah. You're arbitrarily going to stop at a road yeah. in a small town. Yeah. So it's crazy. So whatever. Uh, but but I read in one of these papers that uh, there's a replica Viking ship that's sailing, I guess, from some Norway or Denmark or something like that, and it's coming right through Duxbury down to Plymouth, wow. uh, and it's coming on, I think, on Tuesday of next week. So I'm gonna uh, my my goal is to get on my boat and get as close as I can to the Viking ship yeah. and heckle it. <laughs> And I just want to heckle the Viking ship. Yeah. Uh, it's a long, you know, it's one of the oh, long, long boat row. Yeah, it's wow. like a replica Viking. So it's coming right through. So I love being on the water, and that—that's what I'm going to do next week. I'm going to get, and I'm going to—I'll bring a camera, and, yeah. and I just want to—I want to yell things at the Vikings that are coming to America. Jeez. <laughs> so. I mean, it's, it, think about being a person who's like, I'm going to recreate this. I'm going to row. It's going to be like we're going all the way across the ocean, and then right when you're so close, and we're going like. You suck. And he was like, go oh. back to Scandinavia. <laughs> yeah. You call that a Viking ship? Yeah, we need to get you a Viking helmet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, want, I want to make a seed. So, yeah. uh, so that's, that, that's my love. Uh, I love being on the water. And so the opportunity to heckle Vikings, yeah. that's pretty big. Yeah. I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, and intellectual curiosity, uh, there's a lot of different things. Uh, I think well, last episode we talked a bit about China and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There is an app. Uh, that just everybody in China uses. It's the best damn thing ever. And I'm not like a crazy app technology guy or whatever, but yeah. this is amazing. Uh, WeChat, WeChat, WeChat. Yeah. It's it's everything, right? I have I have WeChat, right? It's it's text messaging. It's it's conferencing. It's it's everything. Everything is done in China through uh, WeChat. Okay. It's the best app. I, I wish it was here. Like we did a conference call uh, with China last week. And everybody just goes on WeChat and you go boop, 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 and everybody just was in. And like, there's four squares on your phone and everybody's just talking. Wow. Uh, uh, and it's it. You know, it, and if you think about like where we're at with like in, in, the, in the West and in the US, like, you know, conference calls, you have to dial, put in like nine numbers. And then after that, you got to put in your code of eight more. And then I'm like, it's crazy. Yeah. And, and so I love WeChat. I love all things WeChat. And it's great. Like, and if you want to, you know, if you have it, there's a QR code, and you just boom, 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 and you just take a picture of it, and now you're connected. Uh, That's cool. It's it's and everything is done like they it, like in, in China, they pay through it. They order Didi, which is their Uber there. I mean, it's everything's done through. Uh, oh WeChat. wow, I love it. So intellectually curious uh, in terms of I, I like exploring that. Yeah. More, more of my Chinese stuff. Uh, so that's good. So what I want, uh, what I want to talk about today, and this is a, a little bit in light of, I guess, uh, kind of what I'm going through personally is there's a flooding issue at my house, mm-hmm. and it's looking like I'm going to have to rip out the rug and all this insurance claim and all this nonsense. Um, 
I thought it was just animal pee, and it wasn't. So I, I guess. It's house pee, technically. Thank you. I guess it was. Just, well, house was a little house pee? Could it be house tears? Yeah. Oh, true. Yeah. Just crying, weeping. Uh, so I have to do that. Uh, but it, House milk. Oh, yeah. Oh, that sounds gross. Real gross. Mm-hmm. House milk. Ooh. I'll have a glass of your house milk, please. Ooh, God. Anything with milk. When you yeah. put milk on the end of something, it just automatically makes it a little grosser. Yeah. Uh, and it, So it made me think. Uh, so... So uh, we're in our twentieth. Uh, we're in our twentieth year. Uh, we just passed our twentieth anniversary here at Improv Asylum. So you know, there's a lot of reminiscing and, and talking about things. And it, and it, and it made me with the flooding going on in uh, at my house. It made me think of one of the seminal early moments in Improv Asylum history, which is which is known historically as the Great Fecal Flood of '98. Yeah. Uh, and so I'd love to talk a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's it seems like one of the titles that like gives you the who, what, where, when like, yeah. so brilliantly. Like, yeah, it really does. Yeah, you know, yeah. you, you know what's going or to a degree. So, so the history is so you know taking it back a little bit, right? Improv Asylum uh, was created, and, and it, we came uh, from Rock Hard uh, Improv, which which I mentioned, and then three of us at the time, uh, with myself, Chet Harding, and Paul D'Amato, we were like, well, you know. There was the landscape was totally different uh, yeah. commercially. For really, the commercial improv theaters didn't exist. Not like you know, like they do today. And the only one really, the one or two that existed was Second City in Chicago, and uh, and uh, the Groundlings in L.A. Yeah. yeah, I know people are gonna lose their mind. Like brave new workshop was around. I, I know, but nobody knew. Yeah. Sort of, if you're in Minneapolis, what fuck brave new workshop was? You know, I mean. Just calm down. And uh, uh, they didn't exist like they do today. They, mm-hmm. they didn't. It's, that's not an opinion. It's fact. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and so we're like, well, what if, what if we created the first, uh, the first professional uh, improv theater akin to Second City, right? Yeah. If we did that in Boston. And I know, I can already hear, Improv Boston was already around. Yes. Yes, they were. But they, but they operated differently. They even operated differently than they do today. There was no, and they were a nonprofit, there was no for-profit commercial like Second City Theater. Okay? And weren't they in Cambridge? Still in Cambridge? Well, yeah, they're in Cambridge. They're still in Cambridge. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they've always pretty much been in Cambridge, even though they're Improv Boston. Yeah. And it kills me. So this is my fault, right? So we're confused all the time. Oh, right? yeah. Improv yeah. Boston, Improv Asylum. And, uh, and it's absolutely my fault. <laughs> Horrible decision. 20, 20 some odd years ago, whatever, 20, 21 years ago when we did it, to name this place Improv Asylum. Stupid asshole decision. And I've porked. That decision has screwed us and Improv Boston over countless numbers of times because yeah. of my idiocy. So I apologize, Improv Boston. That was so dumb. That was so stupid. So dumb. And and for the last, I'd say, 10 years, I've been wanting to change our name. But everyone's like, nah, you can't. There's too much brand equity. I'm like, I don't think there is. Uh, there is to a degree. But now, 20 years in, I guess I can't. And especially with New York coming on, oh, now yeah. it works. Because yeah. now there is no geographical mm-hmm. connotation to the brand, which is nice. Yeah, to, to take to another city. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, this is my fault. That's stupid. Uh, <laughs> anyways, what was I saying? Oh yeah. So uh, so 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 we decided to go ahead and try that. We ended up looking around. Uh, we found the, the space uh, the space here, which became Improv Asylum uh, in Boston in the North End. And so you know, whenever you open these places, especially the first time you do something like this, you don't know what you're doing. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. You yeah. know, you're just trying, right? And so we're like, I remember we ended up signing the lease. Probably in June or no, it was probably even later, maybe July of '97. Okay. And we're like, 
and it was a theater. It was an existing theater. We just had to clean it up, but you know, it wasn't like we had to build it out really. And uh, and we're like, we're gonna be open at Halloween, yeah. right? Can't wait. We have we even have flyers yeah. put out there, right? Um, because that's what you did. Yeah. There was really no internet to speak of in yeah. 97. Well, the other thing, too, and what I've, so I even compounded the name problem, right? Oh. Be- because we named, we named our stand-up club Laugh Boston, right? Oh, yes. So, so, but, but if you look at my, my, when I send like an email, if you look at my signature, it says, you know, normal level, it says Improv Asylum, right? So, and then you can see like that Improv Asylum tour. And then right below, it says Laugh Boston. But if your eye goes, you see Improv in right diagonal, you see Boston. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've effectively hijacked the ownership of the name Improv Boston in my signature a- accidentally. Yeah. Again, super sorry. None of it was planned, and it's actually pretty poorly thought out <laughs> on many different levels. But you know what? I don't know. What are you going to do? Yeah. So uh, so we we, we were like right open in, in October, and uh, we couldn't for many, many different reasons, which is a whole other story, which is pretty interesting uh, at some point. By the time we opened, it was May of 98. Oh, wow. So yeah. it was a long time yeah. from when we thought we were going to open and when we could open. And so we finally got open. We had our grand opening. Uh, it was I think it was around Memorial Day weekend or right around there of 98. Great. Off and running. Uh, doing that. Three weeks in. Three weekends in. That's 1998. So it would have to been like a second week of June maybe. Something like that. First, second week of June. Huge torrential, uh, you know, nor'easter uh storms here so the theater improv asylum it's a basement theater in the north end the north end is the oldest neighborhood in boston right it was one of the first first neighborhoods um it's right on the ocean ancient with all you know we're we're literally below the sewer yeah. like we're not even at sewer level like the sewer runs kind of eye level by us right <laughs> mm-hmm. um so super old infrastructure huge deluge right so i got a call and they're like hey the theater's flooding and so when you hear the theater's flooding you're like all right there's probably stuff going in so so we went down there it wasn't flooding it was a torrent of fecal water and shit and piss and if you've been to improv asylum or whatever you know so just to give you an idea it got to the point where it was minimum of knee high of fecal water pouring in flooded all the front rooms started flooding up into the theater onto the stage like like from the the toilets and stuff or was there like a hole it it started coming up through the toilets oh okay it started because because the toilets so because this is such an old infrastructure the toilets actually flush up Up. yeah oh okay so you got to get your poop up Right into the sewer, which is below everybody right. else. Right, which was having a giant torrential uh, storm, which couldn't handle all the storm water coming in, yeah. which pushed everything back. Wow. So that's a fecal flood of '98. So also we get the call. So it was an all hands on deck moment. Three weeks into us, you know, signing off on a half a million dollars uh, lease that I was that we were responsible for. And how old were you guys at the time? I was 26. 26. I was 26. Shep probably was 27. Paul, maybe like 30. You know. So yeah, it's not like we're like, okay, we know what to do. It's like, oh, it's like everybody was like, what the shit? Absolutely yeah, not. Yeah. And, and not only that, not doing what to do. Like for me, I'm not handy. Yeah. Like, like I'm just not. I never have been. That's not my skill set, right? Uh, uh, and so, no, we're not like, 
business people that really knew what to do and we know what the fuck right yeah. so but but and this is brand three weeks in so the most of the main stage cast came down and it was bucket brigades and everybody and, and now again you have to remember that it's bucket brigades that you take a bucket and then you go upstairs but to where to the street but isn't that going into the try, sewer so back well, in? well we tried to throw it down the other way oh right? okay so okay. so if the street was here you go up you're like just throw it to the right but you know <laughs> let it go down to the restaurants on the right because <laughs> they were flooding too yeah. uh, uh so, but it was crazy right yeah. and but it, but it was one of those defining moments where three weeks in and um, i think the entire cast came down and everybody i mean imagine that imagine that you were just knee deep in filth in this new thing that we're all excited for and you're like, oh my god! And and not only that, so everybody's bucket brigades, and, and you're like, we try to we put in different like sump, you know sump pumps yeah, to try yeah. to get out. People on the street, people in the neighborhood came down and were helping us. Wow, it was crazy, and I'll never forget it. There's this guy, um, uh, Jack the Poet. Yeah. Did you know Jack the Poet? No. That before you guys died. Is that a title or his last name? Uh, well, it'll be his title. He's not the poet. Uh, <laughs> it does. It, it could be. You know. Yeah. Like, oh, Jack the poet. Yeah. Jack yeah, the, the poet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jack the poet. Uh, his name was Jack. Um, God, it escapes me. Uh, but he was. Uh, I, I, I'll remember in a second. I'll look it up. But but Jack was a a longtime poet here in Boston. Mm-hmm. Lived here in the North End. He was the founder of uh, Stone Soup Poets okay. uh, and stuff like that. Real, you know, 60s hippie beatnik guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Jack, I'll never forget it. Jack saw what was going on. He's just been crazy here and beer and stuff like that. Came, he spent the day with us just bailing out fucking shit all day long for us. Three weeks in. And, and you know, Jack was doing it. And, and I'll never forget it. Jack, you know, uh, sadly passed away probably about three years ago. I actually even kind of dropped dead and they I saw him kind of on the ground and they, they took his body away. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, sad. Uh, but, you know, Jack lived a hard life, uh, yeah. as far as poets go. Uh, yeah. But, you know, he was a good poet. <laughs> okay? uh, 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 he was a really nice guy. And, and, but it was a sense of community where everybody was coming down three weeks into this thing where you're like, can you imagine, right? You know, you've created this thing that, you know, you're put your, not that I really had much money into it because I didn't, yeah. in the sense because I was poor and I lived in a pantry. But, but all this, all, you know, took us nine, ten months to open. Yeah. And three weeks in, it's filled to the brim with piss and shit. Yeah. And we got it, had to close down that weekend. Yeah. So couldn't do shows that weekend. You know what I mean? It was crazy. Um, and yet, it was one of those accidental things that bonded that cast mm-hmm. together, that original main stage cast and myself and everybody that's included yeah. that. This is one of the top probably two or three stories every, every original cast member will talk about yeah. because talk about a team building effort where you, you're like we were literally in the shit together yeah. uh, and then we, yeah, we got it cleaned up and, and, and it's very and so we ended up calling this uh, a service master which is a, is a cleaning company Yeah, and we called, called in and, uh, and a service master came in and the guy uh, the, the person who owns that franchise this gentleman by the name of Dallas uh, and Dallas is a great guy to this day Dallas and Service Master is our company. Yeah, they still come up here every week. And Dallas is great. He just loves just talking. She hates Boston sports, and he just loves talking shit about Boston sports. That's but funny. but we've been with them for twenty years. Wow, twenty years, all from that initial call. And I'd say probably every other time he comes in uh, here, you know, comes I think once or twice a month to clean the office and stuff like that. His company does. He, he's like, 
Yeah, I've been with you. He's got a really thick, kind of heavy accent. Yeah. He's like, I've been with you to clean that shit 20 years ago. I'm like, I know Dallas. And that's why you're still here. Yeah. I'm loyal. Yeah. I'm loyal. So that was a very defining moment. Uh, and yet it's those accidents, uh, I find, uh, that when you do things like this, uh, that are they're so much more defining than what goes right. Yeah. At what point... After you know you're you're fucking brigading, you're clean. I'm I'm assuming you're Windex or whatever you know, yeah. Cloroxing. At what point do you go? Okay, it's clean enough. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like because you still have in your head like there was doo doo. Oh, everywhere. I don't think you do. I, I, I mean, I, I think that I think that to this day, I walk down to that theater and there's like a you know a little bit of a post traumatic stress. You know? Yeah, I have. I've never actually seen you touch anything. Oh no, <laughs> God no! It's a horrible place to work. Filth down there. No, you know. Well, that's at some point is you know you have to be like. Uh, Dallas serves master. Did you get it? Because it yeah. wasn't us. I mean, it was at the level where you had to bring in yeah. like a giant professional company to do it. But uh, but yeah, and it, it's those kind of things, and and it never ends, right? I mean. Uh, the, the urinals were broken all last weekend. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I have like my my eye kind of twitches when I go down there. I'm like, how can this be? Twenty years later, and but yeah, these are old old buildings, yeah. and 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 we put the thing is, especially nowadays, the volume of people that we put through that theater. Oh yeah, that space was never designed for that yeah. level of theater because it when we took it over, it it was an existing theater, but it was called the theater lobby. And they, and predominantly through the 90s, uh, Nonsense and Nonsense 2 ran there. Wait, the, the theater was called the theater lobby? Terrible name. Even, yeah, it was called the theater lobby. Okay, because I've seen a sign somewhere or hidden. Yeah. It says theater yeah. lobby. And it was, I was the arrow sign. Yeah. And I was always like, oh, cool. That's what it used to be. Outside. I didn't realize that that's what it was yeah, called. It's huh. Ridiculous. It's called the theater lobby. I'm like... Why would you call it that? Because that makes you think of well, that's the lobby. Yeah. Where's the theater? But yeah, and uh, and nonsense and nonsense two played there, and you know it was a traditional, lovely, you know, kind of smallish theater that did not do the volume and the intensity of the maniacs that come through that theater, yeah, right? Yeah. Tricking buckets of beer and shouting down the audience and doing a five, seven thirty, ten o'clock and midnight show. And so we have over the years pushed that infrastructure to the absolute limits. You know, I think yeah. we've gone through like four or five different AC units and But it's also I feel like as a former Usher as well, when you would like something would flood or something and it's like, oh, somebody tried to flush an empty nip. Yeah. You know what oh. I mean? Where it's where it's like, or they like put it, they'll like hide it in, or you know what I mean? Not the toilet, but I guess like they'll just try to hide it in there and it'll just like fills up and I'm just like, we'll just throw it away. Yeah. Somebody you know what I mean? recently, because I get, so so the way the, the way the theater operates, right? Yeah. From, from an operational standpoint is at the end of the night, at the end of the night, the front of the house manager, uh, at the end of the night, they they submit a report yeah. on the how the night, you know, ticket sales, bar sales, any issues, anything out of the normal, blah, blah, blah. Give you just a quick little rundown. That comes from the front of the house staff, right? Uh, and so every night I get uh, I get so, uh, I get something. And I, I maintain, like some, some are funnier than others, but I'm like, we should just pu- publish this publicly because it's funny. Yeah. It's funny the shit that they write in the notes. Because uh, it's always insane, right? Because yeah. you're dealing with the general populace, and there's alcohol, and mm-hmm. so there's never not going to be kind of a, a thing. And, and I, I know that just recently they said somebody tried to flush a baseball hat. 
Why? Why would you do that? A baseball hat. I remember someone tried to flush like a winter jacket. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I remember that. That was, and it looks so funny when it's written, and it's written like in a very dry way. Yeah, you know, uh, a winter jacket was fished out of the bathroom, clogging up. I'm like, why would you flush a winter jacket? People are crazy, right? And so you get that all the time. So there's that, the hat jacket, you get nips all the time. Yeah. I see it less now, which I guess is a sign of the times. But when we first started the end of the 90s, early 2000s, there was a run of uh, finding hypodermic needles in the back row. Holy huh. shit. Okay. So you like to think that it was for diabetic reasons, but yeah. I, I don't you know, <laughs> probably not. Or like you would go into the men's or women's room and where the toilet, where the toilet paper are on the metal things, you would often find a residue of coke. Jeez. I mean, it's crazy, crazy stuff. So uh, when you when you operate these these kind of places for the general public, I mean, it's people are nuts, man. Do you have any pictures from what the flooding looked like? I think we do. Okay, We yeah. must somewhere. I mean, historic. I haven't looked at the old historical pictures in a long time, but I'm, I'm sure we do. I feel like it'd be a nice funny uh just video to do almost like that ken burns style like the civil war oh, but you're yeah. like going back you're getting interviewed i remember the fecal flood of 98 it was it was interview a, dallas and everybody you know? oh we absolutely should that's such a great idea yeah. i mean it, it, it because it is and everybody who was from that time you know viscerally remembers that and, yeah, and, yeah and we talk about it but it is those moments and, and i can think probably maybe a year or so later uh, another very memorable moment happened there, kind of in the same vein. So the way the the way the, the way Improv Asylum is set up now, you've got the front room, the bar, it's kind of the holding area, and then yep. you go into the theater. The footprint is basically the same. The theater is basically the same. Mm -hmm. um, we moved the bar and stuff like that. But back in the old days, the bar, if as you walk in, was on the left hand side, and there's just one door in and out of the theater, uh, which is on the oh by Tech. Yeah, over by tech. Oh, oh, there, that was Those, that, that was it. Those are the double glass doors in and out. That was it. There was no, so where we now go in on the left-hand side, Yeah, that didn't exist. There was so no. main, we wouldn't go in through oh, main, you'd go oh, in through the I tech. See. Oh, wow, okay. okay. Yeah, it's double glass doors, and that was yeah. it. Wow. Way in, one way up, right? And the bar is over there. But then, I mean, when we started, it shows you how long ago, is there was all, and this was all just left over from when it was an operating theater, there was all tables and chairs down on the floor, like these red, chairs and round tables yep. and uh, and the bar was off in the corner where the doors are now but it was a step up so it was like a raised platform and had like a wrought iron fence and that was the bar area okay um, and stuff like that and the smoking section oh wow was down on the floor yeah so people could smoke in that place did it have that smoke eater thing? it had a big smoke yeah, eater okay, it didn't yeah. do shit <laughs> and as if like as if you can look around here, like as if this was the non-smoking area and that was the smoking <laughs> yeah, area. Yeah. And that's like, well, no, that's the smoking area. This yeah. is not, it's all the smoking yeah, area. Yeah. And clearly it's a basement theater. So that all came into the theater. Wow. And then at the end where the bathrooms are yeah. now, the men's room was kind of where it is over on the left. And the women's room was over where like, uh, kind of like the beer cooler and stuff is. Uh, oh, okay. Or this, so they're separate. And there was a small stage. Oh, wow. Right against the wall. It was a much smaller stage and we used to have like we'd bring in musicians and they'd play at intermission and stuff like that and we'd do different things and Jack uh, we he did a couple of, uh, we let him do a couple of Stone Soup poetries there I mean it's the least he could do he bailed shit out yeah, of the theater yeah right? that's great and he had done shows there before before we went in there uh, so we did that we did a we did a staging of a Picasso at the La Pina Gilles in the front room that's a Steve Martin play oh okay and, uh, and so they did that there and they kind of liked the whole feel of it 
but there's a character in the play that's like a, an Elvis or an Elvis impersonator, and somehow or other, the guy quit or dropped out midway through the run or something, and so they're stuck one night, and so they asked if I could quickly learn it because I improvise. So I'm like, all right, fine. So I, I ended up picking up the role, playing uh, Elvis and the Picasso of the Lapina Joe. But it, it, all, it all happened there. And so on this small stage, and it was one night, I think it was probably a Friday or Saturday night, you know, typical shows. Back then we did two shows, eight yeah. and ten. And uh, power went out the entire place. The only power that we were getting was in three places because you had canned lights a couple canned lights that went down onto that small stage so for some reason there was one plug that allowed the can lights to work wherever the plug of where the beer cooler was the beer was still cold (laughs) and wherever the credit card machine was was still working (laughs) like it was like a weird like godsend of like just the bare minimum (laughs) the essentials to make it work yeah so you had a choice right when we sold probably you know 150 tickets or something like that we're like well do we cancel or not. So, you know, like, you know what? Screw it. Let's try to make this ugly. Nothing in the theater worked. And this is this is taking place in the front room? Yes. Okay, gotcha. So everything in the theater was dark. You couldn't yeah. use the theater. Pitch black. Yeah. So we said, screw it. And we did the shows that Saturday night on that front stage in the front room in the theater. And I know it, it sounds like, whatever, big deal. But but when you go from a 200-seat theater that's a, to do that, and the shows were, like, electric. Yeah. Because it was... It was the disaster, it was the problem, it was the trouble that brought everybody together and whatever cast issues that were going on at the time, because every cast always yeah. have issues going on all time ad nauseum through history at every theater. Yeah. All that goes away because you're like, oh my God, we've got to do this new and different thing. And yeah. it was so great and the shows were, like everybody loved it and the audience understood what was going on. So now you've got the goodwill. They're like, we're going to try and make this happen for you guys. and. You know, you, you always lean into it. Yeah. You don't shy away from the problem. You don't yeah. try to pretend the problem's not there. You say, this is the deal's going on. We're gonna try to do this, you guys with us. Mm-hmm. And typically, they will try to be with you. And it was a magical night, and we made it all work, and that was another one of those things. But it's those things, those disasters, that typically, uh, I think, bring and bond people together far more than even those successes. Yeah, you you have that shared sacrifice. Sure. You're like, yeah. As I always say, like with travel, I travel a lot, right? Nobody wants to hear a good travel story. Nobody wants to say like, yeah, yeah I had a lot of room on the plane and uh, got in on time and it was nice. Yeah. That's not a story, <laughs> right? So, so whenever I travel, I don't care if it's a nightmare or not. It's, it's indifferent to me. A trip's a trip's a trip. Uh, even a bad trip is a great trip because yeah. that's where the stories come. But you know that that those are the things that define it. And and whenever you know wherever you're at in your career or when you you know your company or your businesses, there's great opportunity in the disasters. Yeah. There really is. So, so it was nonsense before you guys <laughs> yep. of the theater lobby. Now, what was above you? So above us was the iconic Italian restaurant, the European. Okay, and then when did that switch over to CVS? So, so the European was an iconic Italian restaurant. Been there since I want to say like 1905 or, okay. or something thereof. I mean, I remember as a teenager, like that's like you know, I lived out and. Grafton, Mass, which is by Worcester. Yeah. You didn't really come to Boston much. And that was a big deal. Like we drove into Boston, went to Faneuil Hall, walked to the European, went home. Yeah. I mean, that's what you did. It was yeah. very, very dangerous. It wasn't, but like as a kid, you know, <laughs> yeah, from yeah. you're like, no, that's what you do. So I remember it. So it was very interesting once I, you know. Oh, and the highway was still there. Oh yeah, the highway. The, the North End was effectively walled off from the rest of the city. Un- it, until when? Until 2000 about 2000 and 
three. Oh, so when you guys opened, you were right on the edge of that. It was walled off when we opened. But being right there at the top of Hanover, yes. you're like right on right the, there. Yeah, wow. Yeah, the highway wow. went right by there. Holy crap. And it was like even before I was doing this or Improv Asylum or whatever, the North End was kind of mysterious. Because yeah. you're always like, how do you get to the North End? Like, and you'd be in Faneuil Hall, but you'd be like, where the fuck is it? And there's this giant highway, and you're like, well, I'm not crossing under that. You're gonna get mugged and killed under there, right? Yeah. And so it was really this wall, it was like the Berlin Wall, you know, it was walled off and mysterious. And so when you got there, you, you'd emerge from under the highway and be like, this magical Italian <laughs> enclave. And it was like, you know, and feasts and parades yeah. and Madonnas with dollars attached to them being paraded through the tight little streets. It was crazy. So all that was, was well, it was a total, total different thing. Yeah. Um, and the European was there. And so that was iconic. And when we when we originally started looking for a space, Paul D'Amato, so Paul D'Amato grew up in the North End. Oh, okay. So he, okay. his family was from here. And so he's like, well, let's look in the North End. I know people, I, I know I know places. We actually looked in the European because they had like an upstairs room, banquet hall room. We looked at that. Right around the corner, which is North Washington Street now, they're condos now, but right when you go around the corner, there was something called the Castanetti compound. But it was like this old, old school, big garment warehouse. And in the back of that garment warehouse was like a big old room. And they would use it for, I think some, I don't even remember the name, but maybe some small improv show did something there or whatever. And we looked at that, yeah. you know? But then we saw the European and the theater, the theater lobby, and it was dark, it was empty. And I was kind of shake the door and saw a uh, for lease sign on. I'm like, all right, well, so, you know, but that's why everybody's like, well, well, I don't know how to do these things. Yeah. Call the for lease number. Yeah. I mean, that's the starting point. There's no yeah. magic to it. It's amazing how many people are like, will be like, well, this building says it's for lease. I don't know what we should do. <laughs> call the for lease sign. Like, what, what do you need it explained to you, right? So we called, and it turns out the entire building, the owner of that building, uh, turns out, for the last 20 years, and this was 1998, so probably from like, you know, the 70s, had been stealing electricity off of the buildings in the back. Oh, wow. So the North End has a... Is he a comic book villain? Uh, <laughs> well, it has a colorful history of crime here, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's the North End, it's the Italian enclave, you know, the head of the Boston faction of the mob. The head of the New England family was actually out of Providence. The, the Boston mob is here, the North End. So look, it has a history of that, yeah. right? Or whatever. But so they were so, so apparently the guy got pinched, had to go into foreclosure, and it just so happened that that place was available when we were looking. Yeah. So I talk a lot about this, right? Like, well, you gotta be lucky, right? Mm -hmm. It's so much of this kind of stuff is being lucky. And yet, the way you get lucky, it's not random. Yeah. Were we lucky? Sure. We put ourselves in a position, though, to be lucky. We were out. We were searching. We had decided we want to do something like Second City. We were walking the streets. We were going to restaurants. We were going. So all of this so happened is it allowed us to walk by and see that sign. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it's luck, but it's not luck. Luck is like a train, right? You gotta, you gotta get in front of that train if you want to get hit by it, right? If you never, if you never get on the railroad tracks, you're generally not going to get hit by a train. Yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah, Every right. now and then a train drops a track and runs into a house. But that's very unlikely. Yeah. If you want to get hit by a train, you got to be on the tracks. If you want to get hit by luck, you got to get in front of your luck. Yeah. Right? And the way you get in front of your luck is by getting out there. And lo and behold, that happens. And so, so that's when we called and it was, you know, it was, it was empty. And then we started, you know, negotiating the, the leash and stuff like that. Prior to that, in the 80s, it was a theater called Nouveau Eclectico. 
and it was a theater, and I think they also did movies based in like Italian cinema and Italian theatricals, stuff like that. Cool. And before that, back in the 50s or the 60s, it was a Candlepin bowling alley. And when we did the renovation in 2011, we found uh, several different uh, pins and balls uh, buried in the ground. There were like these old like 60 signs that were like, it would say like, bowling is healthy for you. It would, it would have somebody bowling with a cigarette, you know, and it was like, and, and, uh, and so we have some of them in cases and some yeah, displayed here in the office. Much. But yeah, you know, it's a pretty colorful history of what it was, but it was an old bowling alley. I guess I don't understand that when they went from bowling alley to theater, why they were like, all right, we're going to take these balls and pins and we're just going to put everything over it. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like you had to like do something so they weren't sticking up. You either had to dig, put them in. Well, I imagine they they were ones that got lost after like they went. I don't know though. I mean, some of it kind of looked like it was almost like time capsule. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I think people do that. And I think we might have done something similar when we when we did the renovation. I don't remember. Put something I, I think we did. Yeah. First main stage cast. <laughs> They're all down there. All their bones. That's where I, that's where I want my skull. Yeah, yeah, Somewhere yeah. on the stage, you know. Uh, but but if you think about it, right, that's archaeology. You just build on the last thing. And yeah. that's why you can drill down and be like, oh, look at this. And you find stuff like that. Yeah. Well, it's interesting on the greenway now which i guess was where that berlin wall highway yeah, was there's like an art installation of old neon signs and the european sign yes. is over there yeah i saw that the european sign is over there and as soon as i saw it i'm like oh i would give anything to get my hands on that i'm like how can i get that uh but but it was and it, it's so it is a neat it is a neat history of what that theater is you know and from what we are and hopefully we'll be there for a long time i mean i will hold on to that no matter what i do in boston yeah. i will hold on to that theater until the city Prize it from me and says, <laughs> "No, you got to fill it in with you know cement." Yeah, uh, but but it is so. Yeah, so it's pretty colorful history, all from the uh, from the Great Fecal Flood all the way down to the old Bowling Alley. That's crazy, uh, and that's where they're gonna bury me, Joey. <laughs> right there. So yes, that's the Fecal Flood of '98. Um, and if you want to see that theater for yourself, come down. Come on yeah. down and see it. It's pretty. It's pretty neat. Uh, it, it is pretty unique, and and you see a lot of these kind of places. They they can make basement spaces work. That, that, that's why, you know, you say like Improv Asylum New York, which is in the old ECB theater space in Chelsea, same thing. I mean, it's yeah. a basement theater. Matter of fact, when I walked down into the, to that theater space because it has, currently has carpets in there, you know, for the last 15, 16 years, just like the you know, Improv Asylum did originally, as soon as I walked down there, the smell, yeah. I was like, oh my God, this is exactly the same smell I remember from the old North End theater. It was, it was uncanny. Yeah. So. I do, I do feel like that basement, you you feel like you're kind of going into somebody else's house and like it's like oh this is their living room and i feel like when you have that comfort area of like oh it's just it's just th these people are friends or quote unquote family and they're doing stuff and i'm in on it i feel like you do get that in a sense from a basement theater it's like you're going over to your friend's house and you're sitting back and you're like all right let's see what the funny people are mm. gonna do well no yeah. doubt and and the thing about it is like Especially for places I feel, uh, you know, improvisational theaters and stuff like that, you don't benefit from a nicer place. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's the intimacy that matters. It's the immediacy that matters. And that's why places like Improv Asylum or, or UCB, that theater space, you're right on top of the stage. The ceilings are low. Yeah. That's what you want. I've done shows. Like, we do improv shows and theatricals over at Laugh. Yeah. I'm not saying they don't go well. They do. But a decidedly different feel. Oh, yeah. And it's actually harder. Yeah. Right? But when you go into these basement spaces, I mean, it is. It's like, 
this this hidden gem that you found and, and you're right on top of it. We've had opportunities and and we probably at some point will. You know, I, I could see in Provincetown moving to a more upscale, to a degree location. But what I've learned mm-hmm. from that is even if I were to ever move the main stage to a larger facility, I would still create on the main stage mm-hmm. the aesthetic of intimacy and tightness. Yeah, that's what it needs. But yeah, you know, it's 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 intimate. It's a home. And it's it's perpetual night when you go to these places. Yeah, and I think there's something about when you look across. It, just being in the round, it's like looking across and seeing someone laugh, I feel like makes you as an audience member be like, oh, it's okay to laugh. And so it doesn't matter. Wherever you're sitting, you'll see other people. Sure. It's just hopefully they're laughing. So then you'll laugh and not, and not like, oh, okay. Yeah, it has the other side of it. Yeah, so yeah. It, you know, it, it, is pretty, it is pretty great. So it's a, it's a pretty cool story and it's, it's amazing. It's amazing we've been there for 20 years. Fecal flood of 98. Fecal flood of 98. I was 26 years old. Jeez. And now I'm 30. <laughs> so it's been a long ride. But yeah, come down uh, for all you folks out there. Come down and check out the check out uh, the shows uh, there. It's kind of it's kind of a neat thing. It's in the North End. It's the you know it's the most amazing neighborhood in my opinion. And in Boston, it's it's very cool. Uh, the Greenway is beautiful, and the Berlin slash uh, Southeast Expressway wall is down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that and look, if you want to come down. Uh, all you gotta do is leave a comment. Look at that. Yeah, perfect. Like a pro or like a hack, depending on how you want to look at it. Uh, uh, yeah, so as always, like uh, this and leave a comment. Good, bad, and different. We will set you up with a couple tickets to show it in Prabhu Salam. Uh, you can come down and check out the shows and see the old space. And maybe, just maybe, you too will get stuck in a fecal flood in our theater. <laughs> just like the kids from Thailand. Okay, we're going to end it right there. All right, thank you very much for being on the norm. See you later.